another episode of Records Revisited, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is a man who's been coming out of his cage, but he's doing just fine because he opened up his eager eyes. Here's Mr. Brightside himself and my co-host from the left coast. Here's Wayne Fugate. Excellent choice. Hola, Benjamin. Hola. And uh, it's not confidential. He's got potential. I'm just glad you didn't you didn't say that I reminded you of a girlfriend you had in February of last year. I thought about doing that one, and it just did. Yeah, uh, I went with Mr. Brightside instead. All right. So joining us on this episode is the man who's got soul, but he's not a soldier. You may remember him from the episode called Songs That Remind Me of Dad. Here's Dave Montgomery, also known as my little bro. Hey, what's up, guys? You know, I almost introduce you as... He's the man, the man, nothing can break, nothing can break him down. I am USDA certified lean. So if you haven't figured out, uh, today's episode is on the killers and the premise of our podcast, it's fairly simple. We talk about music. We're going to talk about um, a very fantastic, uh, fantastic debut album, but You know, first, I have to ask you the all-important question. Is the question going to be, what t-shirt are you wearing? No, actually, the question is, are we human or are we dancer? (laughs) Uh, We are dancer, number one. Uh, What t-shirt are you wearing, Dave? Uh, I am actually digging way back into my closet, and I am wearing a very, very old Tegan and Sarah shirt, uh, kind of my tip of the cap to a tour that I was not able to see, which still makes me mad to this day. Uh, Tegan and Sarah, uh, one of my favorites, opened up for the Killers way back in like 04 or 05 or actually it might have been 05 or 06. I don't know. It was so long ago. But they that part of the tour did not come up to the Northwest. So I was, I was pretty upset uh, to miss that bill. How about you, Wayne? What are you wearing? I'm wearing a Christmas present for my baby brother. It's my uh, Sub Pop record shirt. Fantastic. We haven't done a Sub Pop uh, record yet, have we? No, but uh, there are some out there, some good ones. I'm also going to say, just real quick, that's pretty eerie because I actually almost wore my Sub Pop shirt. Oh, that was awesome. (laughs) At the last minute, I chose the Tegan and Sarah shirt. That's pretty funny. Cool. Well, I'm wearing my Soundgarden 2017 tour t-shirt. I uh, nice. got it just a few short weeks before Chris Cornell passed away. Uh, rest, rest in power, Chris. All right. So for this episode, we're going to listen to a classic record. We're going to rank the songs off of that album. Each ranking is assigned points. And so based on the number of songs on that album, for example, if we were, if the uh, record has 10 songs, our top pick is going to get 10 points. We'll, uh, we'll each provide a ranking and assign points, and we're going to do an average on this. So today's record has 11 songs. So, Wayne, how many points would our favorite song on the record receive? I won't say. That's 11. I won't say. All right, so this is, uh, this is your pick. So uh, tell us why you picked The Killer's Hot Fuss. This is one of the last uh, 
good records I've like that was released. I just um, I know I'm I'm an old fuddy duddy, but this this to me is contemporary. This is which I understand was what 14 years ago that it was released. Correct. But uh, it's it's still new music to me. I, re- I I don't know if it was uh, the timing or what, but my kids were my daughters were in high school, and so we were kind of all that was that that point in time when we were all kind of listening to the same thing. So I have a fond memory of it. I'm just waiting for you to start singing Billy Joel. Everybody's talking about the new sound, funny, but it's still that's not likely to happen. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Uh... So you, you've picked this, uh, Dave. Uh, why why did we invite you to be a part of this uh, particular episode? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I actually, to be honest, I I don't know exactly why, but I'm I'm super stoked that you invited me. This has been one of my favorite albums for uh, a long, long time, and. Uh, so, so wait, wait a minute. Let's let's back let's back up on yeah, this. Call. I heard you were Brandon Flower Spirit. You told me that. <laughs> you told me that at one time that Brandon Flowers is your spirit animal. So now you're now you're backtracking right. off of that. No, I, I'm I will maintain that. I forgot that I ever told you that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's super funny. That's super funny. Uh, yeah, I don't remember remember you telling you that exactly, but uh, uh, no, I mean this is an album that I I absolutely adore, and I I gotta say at the beginning of the two thousands there was several years in a row there where just everything new that came out aside from you know some deep deep indie stuff I just could not get into could not get into mainstream music at all and this came out and it was such a you know breath of fresh air uh when it came out so and and yes brandon flowers which is is kind of funny that both of you guys are saying you know this was like a breath of fresh air um so it's so steeped in 80s music though I know. I was. I was just going to say the thing. I think yeah. the reason that they found it so fresh is was all the '80s new wave synthesizer that that was missing from music. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that I think this was right after that whole new metal thing where everybody was rapping over, yes. you know, metal tracks. Um, this is very much a fre- breath of fresh air. <laughs> the stock gets alive. It gets alive off the radio. Yeah, uh, new metal got really old for me really quick. Um, you know, as as somebody that was graduating high school and just entering college, hard beats with lots of yelling and lots of guitars and and some rapping in there every once in a while. It's, it's like, all right, cool, crank that lip biscuit. But you know, after six months, it's like, uh, yeah, next. So, um, yeah, just for for years and years there, early two thousands, I couldn't really stand most everything I was hearing on the radio and. And then this came on and kind of grabbed my attention again. So Wayne, I'm going to, I'm going to thank you for suggesting this, this, uh, this album, because of that, I went back and revisited some of the other killers albums, including um, the 2006 album. Um, Let's see what it was. It called uh, Sam Samstown. And uh, there's some really good songs off of that. I forgot how, how much I enjoyed that. Um, but I really enjoyed their album called Wonderful, Wonderful from uh, from 2017. 
Um, the uh, the title song's really good. You you of course have heard the man in Run for Cover. Those both got um, some play on some of the alternative stations. But the uh, the the song Some Kind of Love that's also off of that album. Um, really a gorgeous song. That's kind of been my uh, in heavy rotation for me right now. Just uh, really really dig that song. A- any other songs outside of Hot Fuss? that uh that uh you know are on your guys's playlists oh yeah when we were young or when you were young yeah that's a that's i heard somebody compare it to born to run like the killers born to run um which it, a lot of stuff i i, I like I, I haven't listened to the new one but uh all the stuff off sam's town um and the stuff off day and age i thought were really they were really i could say i thought they were going to be the next you too um but it, when you look back on it, about that time when they did Spaceman and Read Your Mind, they were probably the biggest band out there at the time. Yeah, for me, I was a huge fan of the album Battleborn. Um, so the way it was, yeah. I could listen to that song over and over again. And, and that's the one that has Runaways on it, correct? Correct, yeah. yeah. Another fantastic yeah, that's a really song. really great song. All right, so uh, let's, uh, let's give just a little bit more background info on Hot Fuss. So this came out uh, 2004. Uh, the album reached number seven on the Billboard 200. Uh, it was actually a number one album in the UK. It, it sold about uh, 8 million copies worldwide. The album and its first three singles went on to garner five Grammy Award nominations, including Best Rock Album. Um, you guys have any idea what album Hot Fuss lost out to in the uh, the, the Grammys that year? Absolutely, American Idiot by Green Day. That uh, was Ooh. American Idiot, absolutely. All right, so uh, Rolling Stone ranked Hot Fuss the 33rd greatest debut album of all time. So that was one slot ahead of the door self-titled debut and it was right behind de la souls three feet high and rising so any idea which album rolling stone dubbed the greatest debut album of all time the subject of the inaugural podcast beastie boys licensed ill which was uh, did, did you find that a little bit shocking I absolutely you know what when i saw your when i saw the question i went to that list and looked and i assumed it was going to be appetite for destruction uh, and I was surprised to see, and I, I was amazed by, and we had talked about this on a previous podcast that, uh, debut albums, man, there are, there are some unbelievably, I mean, the cars inaugural, uh, debut album, the police, Very good. you know, the police, my aim is true. I mean, appetite for destruction, license deal. Those have all already, we've already covered those in the, in just the, what, 15, 16 episodes. Debut albums, like I say, I think I really think it's a, a testament to the fact that a, an artist spends his, his whole life up to that point making that album, and it's it, it shows most. And of don't the time. forget Christopher Cross's self-titled debut album. <laughs> wow, we're gonna have to do top ten yacht rock songs on one episode. <laughs> Look, all I can say is Christopher Cross Grammy winner. Okay. Yeah. So is uh. So what was it? Jethro Tull, uh, uh, heavy metal. Uh, oh God. Yeah, thanks for reminding us. Well, it's funny as I looked at that when he when he asked the question on the Grammys, I was like, it better not be Hoobastank's reason. <laughs> 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 oh my goodness! All right, uh, a- 
any other any other intro uh comments you want to make on the killers before we jump into the album uh for me i uh, this is one of those occasions where i i think just the coming together of the band kind of goes down in in lore i i think the for me the tops of johnny marr just knocking on morrissey's door and be like hey want to start a band like that would be number one but you know, Brandon Flowers was literally looking in the want ads of a newspaper and and in in Las Vegas and of course seeing everybody, you know, mentioning all these new metal bands and whatnot. And of course that's not gonna work. And and so he sees uh Dave Kooning's ad in there, you know, saying that he was a fan of the Beatles and a few other things and Brandon Flowers going, yep, close enough and give gives him a call and, and that's how they start the band, you know, which is uh, pretty cool to me. And, and I thought that they like bonded on like Depeche Mode or something like that. Wasn't that part of part of the... Yeah. I, I've I've also heard Ronnie, the, the drummer, was a big fan of Depeche Mode as well and, and apparently had gotten a perm uh, so he could be more like Martin yes. Gore of Depeche Mode, which is, which, uh, I, I mean, you probably know something about perms, right, bro? <laughs> we're we're going to go there. Ouch. I, I, have, <laughs> I have naturally curly hair, so I can't wait to hear uh, this story. You, you've, you remember my perm, perms. Perm oh, I've seen. That's kind of a, it was kind of a, I, I always thought of it as a baby mullet. Of a baby mullet? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it had that. That uh, that baby mullet look with the curly and the, the curl kind of long, kind of almost oh, to the collar. Yeah. Well, I was uh, not not as long in the front. Well, you know, I was I was all business in the front and party in the back. So yeah. Wow, you, you, were, you were business in the back too. I don't know who you think you're fooling. <laughs> yeah, well, there's there's no business now for either one of us, Wayne. Sad but true. <laughs> The only thing that's naturally curly on you right now are your pubes. So, ooh, that was this yeah. thing just went blue. <laughs> all right, uh, all right, let's jump into the album. So, uh, very first song. This uh, this is Jenny was a friend of mine. Who wants to kick it off? I'll I'll go. This uh, this highlights his his lyric you know his lyrical stylings. I mean he he create he paints a picture. This I could this almost felt like an episode of uh, Homicide: Life on the Street. They got the guy in the box. The cops have fingered him for the crime, and they're just they're just interrogating him. And uh, just super visual song. Um, I. I I love the I love all the new wave synth. I mean, I think when that's one of the things like we I, we had said earlier was missing from music. 
um, too much, you know, loud guitar and screaming. And uh, they brought it back. This has a definitely a Duran Duran kind of feel to it. Uh, I just, and like I say, I didn't hear the, the murder trilogy stuff until a little bit later after I'd already kind of formed some opinions on this song. But I, he had me convinced he didn't do it, but I don't know. And, and, <laughs> and honestly, I didn't, I didn't hear about the whole murder trilogy thing until years after I, I listened to this album. So um, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to more of that later in the episode. There's another one of the songs off of this supposed trilogy um, that's, that's on this record as well. And, you know, to, to your point about the, uh, the, the keyboards, well, for me, it's the baseline. The, the baseline on this is just hypnotic. And you all know my requirements for the very first song on the album that has to set the tone for the album or punch you in the face. Well, this one does both. I just love this song. I bought the album for the next song, but it was this song that really turned me into the Killers fan that I am. Dave, any, uh, any, any comments about uh, Jenny was a friend of mine? Yeah, so I'm I'm a pretty trash bass player, but uh, I've been forced to do some bass playing in my time. But this was definitely one of those bass lines where I was like, I have to learn this. I have to learn how to play this bass line. It's it's so good. It's such an awesome way to to open up the album. I'm I'm with Wayne. the The synths I think really really kick it off and. And, and albeit throughout that whole album, the synths kind of come and go and, and there's places in the song where the synths kind of go away. But, um, but man, at the very end, you have just the, the awesome combination of, of, you know, just kind of cool guitar sounds, uh, almost dancey yet driving drums, a bass line that really drives it. And then of course, you know, some synths on the top to kind of round it all out. Um, it's it's such an awesome way to to start a song uh, or start an album, and it's one of my favorite tracks on the whole album. All right, so what score are you giving that? Uh, I'm giving it a ten. I'm the, I'm naming this my second favorite song on the album. Uh, same ten. All right. Um, well, I'm pretty consistent with you, but this is my favorite song, so this this is getting an eleven for me. Wow. Yeah. Did not see that coming. Uh, okay. So let's move on. Our second song is Mr. Brightside. Brightside was the first single from the album. Uh, this was actually one of the very first songs that the Killers ever wrote. So um, you can call that uh, beginner's luck or whatever you want to want to call that. 
Um, song was originally released in September of 2003 um, in the UK um, and peaked at number 10 in both the US and the UK. And it is the killer's second best selling song in the US. Um, and uh, yeah, didn't win the Grammy for best pop performance, but it won the all important MTV Video Music Award for best new artist in a video for 2005 <laughs> and also the best international video for group at the 2005 much music video awards up in canada uh, Ooh. Ooh, how about very, how about that very very prestigious um but you know if the killers ran against the tragically hip it would probably most absolutely lose to the in canada tragic- it would be killed it'd yes. be crushed in canada so yeah that's canada's band that's man. A, so apparently the tragically hip did not have an album out in 2004 and 2005. So, <laughs> um, all right. So someone wrote on their wiki that the killers 2012 album Battleborn and the song miss atomic bomb is considered a companion piece to Mr. Brightside lyrically. And all I could say was, huh? Or push off. Uh, what do, do you guys do? You guys yeah, exactly. do, do. You guys see any of that? No. No. no I don't either. No. All right. Any, no. Anyone else want to uh, add uh, comments about Mr. Brightside? Yeah. This is this is their Paradise City. This is their um, Mr. Jones. This is their best song. Once again, it's not my favorite song, but this is their best song. It's it's beginning. I mean. Lyrically uh, and musically, it this thing starts and just keeps going. I know that I think the video did have something to do with it. Uh, the 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 second video from when the um, from the second release, uh, very visual. Um, you get it. It's and everybody hates Eric Roberts, so that's that's always good to put him in there as the villain. Uh, it's just just a super deep hook, and it's just uh, really. Uh, like I say, I think it's their best song if, if to look at it objectively. I think when you were young would would have a, a argument with that. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. we could we could have that argument. Yeah, I mean, they close all of their uh, all of their uh, uh, concerts with "When You Were Young." That's an anthem. I think. Yeah, I I think if I was to just listen to a song and and you know, the album version, I would have to say Mr. Brightside stronger than okay. when you were young. But if I'm at a concert and I want to be with 50,000 people screaming at the top of my lungs, a, a killer song, I'm going to go yeah. with when you were young. Um, that is, that's an awesome uh, way to I'm end this I'm not taking anything sure. away from Mr. Brightside. Don't, don't read into that comment at all. Cause I'm giving this a 10. Yeah. This is my second favorite song on this album. Yeah. So, uh, Wayne, your score? Uh, it's a nine. This is my third favorite song. And Dave? Uh, it's weird that we're in lockstep, uh, but I'm also giving it a nine. Oh, you guys are going to be veering off the path really soon. Here, so. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> um, just real quick on, on Mr. Brightside. You mentioned that this is one of their first tracks, uh, which is is pretty awesome um apparently they played a show where it was just like their first show was acoustic it was just brandon and dave and 
uh, they realized a lot of their songs weren't very good and they scrapped them all except for Mr. Brightside, which I thought was, which is pretty cool. It goes on to be, you know, like the killer song, you know, if, if you were to, to quiz people, they would, they would say Mr. Brightside first. And I, I kind of <laughs> was thinking the other day, it's like, oh man, years ago, I'd, I had written all these acoustic songs myself and I scrapped all of them except for one. And instead of going on and making millions of dollars like the killers, it became uh, the, the theme to a podcast. So um, thanks, guys. Hey, we, had, we had 51 downloads last, uh, last week. <laughs> no, no, no. Yesterday. Yes. Yesterday. I was saying, it was oh, just yesterday. yesterday. Just, just yesterday. yesterday. Just yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, don't don't shortchange us. We're we're up to well over a hundred downloads a week now. So we're woo, woo. Make it. quit my day job. <laughs> you guys are coming out of your cage and doing just doing fine. Just fine. All right. Uh, yeah. uh, number three on the album. Here we go. This is "Smile Like You Mean It." All right, who wants to uh, who wants to talk about smile like you mean it? I'm gonna go first. I, I this is I'm just gonna put it out as my favorite song. It's uh it's got a very personal feel to it. It's definitely a, like a coming of age. Um, I, the lyrics are incredibly wise, you know, wise for a guy, uh, but he was probably in his early 20s at the time. Um, I just like I say the chorus. I love the chorus. Smile like you mean it. You know, just put on a happy face and, 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 and go out and do your best. This is just, I, I don't know. It's, I think it's a lot of it's personal, but this is, this is my favorite song. All right. So you just said all, a lot of it's personal. Come on. Oh, you know, I'm, first of all, my nickname is Mr. Brightside. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Happy go lucky. That's what they call me. Yeah. That, that's not it either. It just there's been there's definitely I mean obviously since a young age I've been feeding people and being responsible and it's some and it's it's a, it wears on you and and to and especially when you're in your early twenties you know you sometimes you just have to s- smile like you mean it yeah okay uh, Dave yeah I I have a hunch uh, this is where uh, you were saying Wayne and I go very different directions uh, however as I was telling you earlier today before uh, we were recording um, this album to me kind of feels like I, I could kind of just grab a bottom three songs. And then after that, I just, I kind of want to just rate everything nine, 10 or 11. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I do adore this song, but uh, yeah, I, I ended up rating it quite a bit lower than I'm sure what Wayne's going to be doing here. So we know Wayne's score is 11. Dave, what's your score? I'm giving it a five. Okay. And I've got it at a, as a seven. So we're uh, we're kind of all over the place on, on that. So interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, fourth song. This is a very well-known song. This is uh, Somebody Told Me. Heaven ain't close in a place like this. I said heaven ain't close in a place like this. 
All right. Uh, who wants to Who wants to talk about somebody told me? All right. Um, yeah, I'll I'll go. Um, so as we've kind of alluded to, um, Mr. Brightside had a re-release. Um, so basically, it was released uh, in the UK. Didn't really do anything uh, over here in the US. And most people, their first introduction to the killers was this song which was the case for me and um i think i was if i remember correctly i think i was back on like spring break or something like that uh at my parents place and so um the video was playing on on mtv2 when mtv2 also played music videos back in the day and and so this was this was definitely my introduction of you know holy crap there's something in mainstream rock and roll mainstream alternative that I can actually get into. Um, I, I, yeah, absolutely love the song. Um, dancey, um, the lyrics got you thinking a little bit on what he was talking about. Um, and also the, the fact that, you know, they're kind of, had set the scene in the desert in the video was, was kind of cool. Um, kind of makes me, th- you know, think a little bit of, of, uh, the U2's Joshua tree somewhere in there, you know, a little bit of eighties guitars somewhere back there. And, and also just the fact that they're called the killers, which is, you know, an homage to, um, the music video to crystal by new order. Um, so like all of those things kind of resonated with me when I first heard this song. So, um, somebody told me while, while not my favorite song on the album is definitely what got me into the band and I could listen to the song over and over again. And, uh, I think that this was the one song that got re-released in the UK. So it like initially had, had charted, but didn't do a whole lot. And then after Mr. Brightside got released, then they re-released it in the UK. And I think that this was like the their 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 top song, at least in the UK. And you know, I can I can totally see that because it definitely feels like a you know, an English new wave song from you know late eighties, maybe. Yeah, this is what we. This is what this is what I heard first from them, and it, it. I mean, at the time this came out, it was on the radio all the time. Um, like I say, I had kids in high school, and so we it was funny. Is my oldest daughter was dating this guy, and he he had long hair, and there was something. I wouldn't say that he looked like a girl, but he had kind of an. Uh, there was an effeminate quality about him, and me and her two sisters would always tease her with it whenever this song came on. Uh, about she had a boyfriend that looked like a girlfriend that we had we had last february um but the, the, you didn't sing androgynous by the replacements no he's not cool <laughs> enough for that uh but this song this song did get the reason that i i ranked this song a little bit lower than than it than it feels like it should be um but I think it was it got overplayed but like i say i wasn't buying music at the time and i went and bought the cd um, based on, you know, the first three singles that came out were just, uh, barn burners. Great. Um, all right. So I've got, uh, I've got this as a nine, Dave. I got it as an eight. Wayne. 
I it got overplayed. I gave it a five. It. Oh come on! Ouch! Boo! Boo just that be- man! Just because of just because of overexposure. I, it did. I mean, it it just. It, I remember that I do. There's this little. I still listen to it. and I still enjoy it. It's just one of those songs that when you put yourself back into 2004, you're like, man, they played this song all the time. It was everywhere. You mm-hmm. couldn't. Uh, you couldn't turn around. Or I mean, it was on every radio station, but the besides the country one. Uh, so it was. But so I heard it. That uh, just maybe I heard it a little too much, but. And also the rest of this, a five, like I say, Dave gave smile like you mean it, a five, which I completely understood and didn't complain like he did because I knew, <laughs> I knew what he, I felt with his pain and now, and yet it was, it was just rubbed in my face. Yeah. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right. And on that note, we're going to move on to uh, number five, all these things that I've done. So this is uh, this was released as their third single, um, and this uh, features the gospel choir, the Sweet Inspirations, um, and uh, of course that has the uh, extended refrain of "I got soul, but I'm not a soldier," and that's where the uh, the gospel choir comes into play. Um, the Sweet Inspirations, they've sung with everybody. Uh, literally everybody feels like uh, Elvis, Van Morrison, Bee Gees, Jimi Hendrix. Um, so they, I don't know how they pulled that production off of, no, uh, of getting the sweet inspirations to, to, to come on that, but uh, kudos to them. Um, the one other thing that I wanted to, to say about this is uh, I read an article from, from Brandon dating back a couple of years ago and he said that uh, he took the bass line from David Bowie um, from uh, from uh, Slow Burn is the song. And uh, he says, I think enough time has probably passed now that he I think he probably won't sue us. Um, and that was before David Bowie, of course, passed away. So so if uh, I haven't listened to it, um, I still need to listen to that song to see if uh that really is the baseline there, but this is a great, another great song. Uh, to to your point, Wayne of uh, radio overplay. Um, I think this got. I felt like this this song got more play than somebody told me, but maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm a little different because I'm across the across the U.S. away from you. Yeah, this song, I, I don't care. This song is an anthem. I can I have never seen them live, but I can only imagine 
that uh, just like when I saw Jack White and he starts to play Seven Nation Army, this is a sing-along. I can imagine everybody in the crowd. It can one of the this. I'm sure one of those numbers where they stop towards the end, and you can hear the whole crowd sing. This, I, I feel like that that's a moment I want to live in is uh, is being involved, being in the crowd and singing all these things that I've done with the Killers. Yeah, I I still haven't seen them live. They're on my bucket list. Um, they they don't seem to do a whole lot of live shows and when they do they're at festivals and i seem to i hate going to festivals there's just i feel like the intimacy of of seeing a a live band is just not there going to a festival so keep waiting for them to to come to you know a big venue near me and just hasn't happened yet so dave anything you want to say about uh, all these things i've done actually before I do, just kind of touching on that, um, uh, bassist Mark Stormer and guitarist Dave Kooning, they don't even tour no. anymore, uh, which is kind of a, an odd thing. So they, they, I mean, they have some guys that have been touring with them for a long time, but uh, the bass player was kind of the first, uh, I believe, after Battleborn was released, he just said he didn't want to go on tour. Um, so the, the other three kind of, soldiered on and then uh um and now dave cooning does the same so if you go see the killers now i mean it's it's the killers it's their kind of cast of people that always play with them but now it's brandon flowers ronnie and and those cast of characters so um but you know i not too long ago i watched watched some live video of them playing very recently and it was still so good so I don't think you'd lose anything if you go yeah. see him. Well, I'm in, I'm interested to see if Dan uh, Kooning tours because he's supposed to release a solo album, I believe, in January. Oh, okay. Really interesting. Hmm. Um, as far as all these things that I've done, um, this is another video that I you know saw on MTV Two again while MTV Two was still playing. Uh, music videos. Um, I, I thought it was pretty clever what they did. Kind of told a story, but out of sequence. Um, uh, where there's a, a gal holding up a number, and so you kind of have to go back in your head and kind of put it all together sequentially of what's going on. Kind of, kind of an odd little video, but um, definitely one that you know kind of gets your attention um, and kind of makes you think a little bit. Again, awesome song, awesome anthem. When it's played live, people are are singing that I got soul, but I'm not a soldier, you know, all in unison. Very cool thing. Um, you know, that's killers are kind of lucky in a way that they're a band that's been able to come up with a lot of different studio, uh, excuse me, stadium anthems where everybody wants to sing along. And I I think that's part of the reason why the the killers are still popular today. I mean, people want to go see them live and they want to sing along to all these things that I've done. And uh, when you were young and Mr. Brightside and all the rest. So um, very, very, very cool song, totally unique in its time too. I, I don't think we've mentioned that. Like this is a pretty different song uh, during this time period. I, I mean, what other songs from the early 2000s have yeah, it's, a gospel choir? It definitely choir does not follow a formula. 
Um, especially it, it kind of feels like a queen song where, you know, you've got a beginning and then all of a sudden they're just changing it up on you. And now you've got a gospel choir and a sing along, you know, catchphrase, like I've got soul, but I'm not a soldier, you know? Um, so it, it, it very much feels like a queen song to me. I, I agree. His voice, like I say, I'm- one of the things that synthesizers do in a lot of the songs is kind of fill out the songs and make them more, much more colorful. And in this one, I don't think there's much synth at all. It's, it's his, his vocals are just like Freddie Mercury. That's, that's the big instrument that you yep. hear. Yep. All right. So I'm giving this an eight Wayne seven Dave. An eight. Excuse me, seven. Oh. Eight was somebody told me seven. Oh, uh, boo this man. That's Netta ask. Yeah, he just pulled a Netta. That's Netta ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. Uh, or right, we're uh, if there if this was actually a vinyl, I think we would be flipping this over right now. So here is, I believe, Andy, so. you're a star. able to actually confirm who exactly Andy is. I'm not sure if Brandon Flowers doesn't have a crush on him. Uh, these lyrics are, are <laughs> ambiguous at best. I don't think that, I think that it's dripping sarcasm. I think that, you know, where he's saying, Andy, you're a star in nobody's eyes, in nobody's eyes, but my, I, I don't think that it's a love song. I think that he he's got some serious sarcasm going on, where it's like, you know, ooh, Andy, you're you're such a star. That's kind of that's kind of the uh, the vibe that I get off. Hey, of hey, shut up now. Hey, shut up now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I did find <laughs> I did find this little gem off of song meetings. Um, and remember, this is the internet, so of course it is a credible and accurate source. And not like in, Wikipedia and not right. And not in the least bit fake news. <laughs> so somebody posted, um, okay. Brandon flowers lived in Nephi, Utah, about 30 miles from where I live. And it's about Andy, who is a wrestling star at a Juab high school where, and his plaques seriously draped the halls. And this is a song that is mocking Andy and act- Andy is actually the wrestling coach PE teacher at my school. Um, and I was in class today and I asked him about it that, and that's, yeah, that, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I believe I, it. I do too. So Sounds like something you'd hear on Trump's Twitter. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so I, I had also heard something about who Andy might be. And I had heard that it was somebody from high school that he knew. So. I guess there there is a, a theme there, but uh, but the version that I had heard was that it was um, somebody that he 
that was super popular that he he did kind of look up to kind of kind of wished he was a little bit um but i mean who knows i mean your source is probably just as good as mine like i said the how i interpret this is it's it's totally a, a a mocking song so um all right so i give this a five what uh what's your what's your guys' scores dave uh i'm giving it a two um I, I don't think this is a very okay. strong and I, and I and I, I absolutely I gave this a two. It's got a herky jerky rhythm to it that doesn't seem to work and it's also it's all their other songs yeah. they're just full of and this one has empty space in it and it just doesn't it's missing something is is one of the, is it feels like to me it's and missing maybe something. Maybe I rated this a little bit higher because yeah. For for me, it feels like an old Ziggy Stardust song. So um, that's kind of how I mm. kind of interpreted at least the the beginning part with just the you know the the, the strumming guitar at the beginning of it. Uh, I apparently liked it more than you guys did. <laughs> yeah, and and kind of going off of what Wayne said is that you know there's a lot of empty spaces in it, and if this was a song on any other album, I, I think we'd maybe would rate it a little bit higher. Um, but I mean, hot fuss is such a stinking good album, but I think the other part of it too, with it having some of that empty space, it, it is a little bit of a, a palate cleanser in a way that there is a lot going on, especially on that, that a side here. I mean, solid. those, those yeah. first five songs yeah, on this album are just killer. You know, you, you kind of have to have something in the middle there before you can kind of go somewhere else with the album on the B side. So, um, I'm, I'm still sticking to my, to my two. It still isn't one of my favorite songs on this album, but I think a lot, of, again, a lot of that just has to do with the rest of the songs are just so yeah. stinking good. All right, let's move on. Uh, the seventh song is on top. But now I found the velvet sun that shines on. I go. I'll do it. Um, the chorus in this is <laughs> super catchy. It saves the whole song for me. The synthesizers, you know, in this feel like they were stolen from uh, Dale and Terry Basio of Missing Persons. They're just super '80s new wave. Um, I, I, it just is a. It's a. It's a fun. It's a fun song. It's. It's got a super catchy chorus and some great riffs in it. I don't know that 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 synth makes me have nintendo flashbacks <laughs> and like i say that it, it is so 80s that it's not even funny like i'm ready to play tecmo bowl after i listen to this song you know it felt like it almost like when they squish uh something when mario hits something with his hammer and it and it shrinks down <laughs> <laughs> dave any any uh comments on on top hey man i had another one of those awesome synths songs uh i'm i am with you on the nintendo flashbacks but it's to me it's a nintendo flashback in a good way 
yeah, of of all my my favorite songs on this, I I decided to rate it the least of my favorites. Right. So, um, yeah, it's a good so good track. What uh, what score is that? I ended up giving it a four, uh, but like I said, the kind of the top note note you know eight songs or so were so no, so hard no for need, me to choose. No need to uh, to uh, protest too much on that. Um, all right, Wayne, your score on this? I gave it a six, and I I, <clears throat> I completely agree with his his uh, summation that there's three songs. I don't. I'm curious to see if we have the same three songs, but I think there's three songs that that don't measure up, and that the rest of them, I I, I almost agree that you could just call them all a ten. Um, and so I gave this song uh, this one a six, but it could have easily. Um, it's just head and shoulders above my bottom three. Okay. I give it a three. Um, it's in your bottom three. It is in my bottom three. Just a shimmy and a shake. All right. Uh, moving on. Eighth song, Change Your Mind. Not to be confused with Read My Mind. That's off the killer's second album. This is Change Your Mind. I'm still I'm still confused as to why this song was not released as a single. It it felt like this this feels like a good radio song to me, but I don't know, maybe maybe because they've already they are, had already had four really solid singles that uh you get in the 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 market of being completely overexposed and then uh, ruin it, your chances for um anyone ever buying your second album but i think it's a solid song um it's it's one of the better songs on the on the album um one i go back to and uh i'm pretty sure that this this uh is still in their in their set list but um who wants to who wants to talk about change your mind it, it reminds me of, I love it. I, this is one of the I, I think I I mean I agree it's one of the better songs on the album. It does have I mean I was kind of listening to Read My Mind and Spaceman to kind of see but it does have it has some similarities of lots of other killer songs so where it doesn't sound kind of as ri- original as as Mr. Brightside or um all all the things that I have done but it's still but it, it's it's got their classic sound and it's it's a lot more it seems like it's a lot more guitar driven than the rest of the stuff on the or a lot of the other stuff on this record. Yeah. Dave? Yeah, definitely more guitar driven. I mean starts starts with the guitar. Um nice little bass riff in there too. Um synth comes in, but I mean the synth is kind of just an accent, you know, to to all of it. Um awesome song. I'm I'm almost with you on the why was this not released as a single uh sort of thing there um because i you know if if smile like you mean it didn't get on the radio this could have been could have been the other single in my opinion anyways yeah all right so i give this a six wayne 
I, I give this an eight. Okay. And Dave? All right. So for change uh, your mind, I gave it a six. Okay. Solid. All right. Next song is Believe Me, Natalie. curious if this is the third in the bottom of david's uh bottom three because this is i felt uninspired uh even a touch cliche amen brother i am lockstep with you on this one this this actually for me would be a song i might actually just cut from the album and make it a b-side um this this was easily my my low score uh for me so um this gets my yeah this gets my deuce (laughs) yeah Uh, a worthy score and yeah what's with all the name dropping natalie jenny andy i I don't ben dave wayne he's got a lot of friends yeah he's got a lot of friends for a shy guy i mean i've i've read a few stories that this song is like an ode to a studio 54 dancer that then contracts aids and is encouraged to dance again. Um, and I've seen a few situations where that's referenced, but I don't find any actual article. So yeah, it goes back to the whole internet credibility comment again uh, that I made about Andy. <laughs> so I think Natalie is in that same same boat. Um, can't confirm or nor deny. Um, so, all right. So we give this a one, two, and a three. So definitely in our bottom three. All right, moving on to Midnight Show. Hearts that start with gloss and curls. I took my baby's breath beneath the chandelier of stars and atmosphere and watch her disappear. back to the few internet sources um i'm i referenced the murder trilogy earlier with jenny was a friend of mine this is another one of those songs that is in that murder trilogy i find this whole trilogy thing to be i don't i don't buy it i i mean even if brandon flowers told me he that it was i'd still look at him sideways i mean the first song in the trilogy is written three years after the the first two i don't I can say I think it's all internet hope. Well, the the when you say written three years after, so Sawdust comes from two thousand seven. That was when it was released. But if you go on to Sawdust, it's really a compilation of like 
outtakes and covers. I think that one, that album has the Romeo and Juliet cover. Um, so it's really a mishmash collection of live songs as well. Yeah, I think the the song Leave the Bourbon on the Shelf, that's supposedly the first song in the trilogy. Talks about a girl named Jenny who he's in love with. He's leaving her or she's leaving him. He begs her to stay. She leaves. He then begins drinking and then sees her with another man, becomes angry and jealous, and then he decides to kill her. And then move on to this song, the second of the trilogy, where uh, he takes the girl out, tempts her with the promises of a good time, and then he kills her. And and I looked at it a couple Seems different logical. ways. Cause I originally, when I was listening to this, hadn't heard about this, and so I I, I agree. I looked at it kind of sideways from the beginning, but it's out of sequence. He doesn't name drop Jenny, and we know he loves to name drop. So the fact that Midnight Show doesn't have Jenny or Jennifer mentioned is a sign to me. But when I, I will say this, when I looked at it um, and listened to all three of them in order, leave the bourbon on the shelf. Literally, he he does that sounds like a drunk you know drunk rambling and then the and of course midnight show the score i gave it doesn't doesn't do it justice um but it that's a pedal to the metal non-stop you know like a high speed car chase um but i will say this that is incredibly sinister like he is looking forward to ice in this chick i mean he's He's gleeful about it. That's a little scary. Yeah, drive faster, boy. Dark, much like watching the go. detectives. That maybe we should. What, maybe we should come up with our own hypothesis that this is. This was the uh, the 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 song written in. Actually, if we just put it on song meanings, it's it's going to become gospel. So we'll just say that this is the companion piece to watching the detectives. <laughs> I'm sure we can do better than that, but you can just grab three songs from anybody and call it a trilogy and create some sort of urban legend that that lives on right. through the internet. And his moniker on song meanings is Mr. Brightside. I told Mr. Brightside eighty-seven. Yeah, I like it. I like it. One eighty-seven. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Nailed it. All right. So, uh, so I'm giving this a four. Wayne? I also gave it a four, but I can say that score belies how much I, I, I do actually enjoy okay, the song. Dave, you got to explain yourself. Because I know I know what score is coming up. I'm so upset at both of you right now. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh my God. What is wrong with you guys? I, I Okay, so this song, I was literally telling a friend the other day of like, I you know, sort of like, I've said this once, but I'm going to say it again that you know when when my band gets back out there and plays shows again this is a song that i want to cover because uh, to me it's it's just it's such a complete song you know it's just starts out with a little bit of bass has awesome awesome bass line in it the the drums make you kind of want to groove on the dance floor but they're also just driving at the same time it's it's a you know kind of a sexy rock and roll beat uh, great guitar sounds to me. This is just a complete song. I gave this an eleven. You both are high. I don't know what's okay. up with you. 
end of story. <laughs> I wasn't drinking before the podcast, but that's still I don't I, I think I think everybody has a title to their own opinion, Dave. I don't I don't know that was kind of rough talk. I I you know I, again kind of going back to what I said earlier, you know, to me there to me personally there was like a bottom three songs and then the rest of the songs I wanted to just hand out nine tens and elevens, you know. And I, I'm sure you guys feel the same way to some degree. So uh, even though, Wayne, maybe you gave this a four, maybe the four isn't really indicative of fours on other albums. I don't know. What what do you say? No, I, like, and I, I, I flat out admitted it. I, I looked at the score, and for as much as I like this song, uh, I think it. Uh, we've had this on other other. I mean, we had a... Well, I don't remember what would the, my my number four got on my aim is true, but uh, or, or appetite for destruction, but it doesn't it doesn't tell the the whole story because I really like this song. I, I feel what you're saying, like I say, I, it's it was like yeah. a high speed car chase. I love I do like this song a lot. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you you gave waiting for the end of the world a four on my aim is true, and that was my favorite song off that album. And, yeah, and, uh, fair and for Appetite Destruction, you gave It's So Easy a four. All right, moving on. Uh, last song. This is Everything Will Be All Right. should have added more names in their titles you know there's jenny there's natalie there's andy i just feel like this this is their their least attractive song on this album this is a gary so i feel like every everything (laughs) will be all right gary i think he's jealous there's not a ben song on here I would say that if this was every everything will be all right, Susan Day, because I have not heard the tambourine that prominent since she left the Partridge Family. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's 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 excellent. And and I and I already have a song, David. Um, Sarah McLaughlin uh, on her debut album. Michael there Jackson did one too, didn't he? <laughs> oh, shut the hell up! No, I'm talking about. Sarah McLaughlin did a really great song called Ben's How Song. Sweet. So and it and it has nothing to do with being a rat. So all right. Uh this gets gets a one for me. It's a it's my Gary. Yeah, I, I also gave it a one. It, the vocal effect on his voice is ridiculous. It has so much empty space. 
Um, I don't think there's enough synthesizers from 1983 no. to save it. Dave, what's your score? Uh, I gave it a three. Um, what? Of, How can you give that a three? Uh, How dare you? <laughs> now, for me, out of the bottom three songs, I, this is the one that I appreciate the most. I I think it's, you know, it's not a horrible way to end an album. And if you really take pause, uh, all joking aside with the tambourine, if you really take pause to hear what Ronnie's doing, uh, with all the percussion, um, he's, he's doing some cool stuff with the percussion there. So for me, um, for me, it's, it's the percussion that kind of saves the song. I thought it was a terrible way to end an album. No, Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama is a horrible way to end an album oh. at Pearl Jam. Yeah. Okay. Phytology. That is, that is the worst way to end an album. All right. Well, let's tally up some points. Any guesses on the worst average score? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got an idea that everything will be all right. Will not be all right. <laughs> so everything will be all right. Gary is at uh, 1.66. Um, any idea what the next honorable mention is? Um, I got Probably it. Natalie, right? Oh, Natalie, yeah. Yeah, believe me, Natalie, 2.66. All right, let's go to our point system. I've got the scores right here, averaging the scores out. Um, any guesses on the, uh, the the fifth song? Ooh. Change of mind? No, that nope. was number six. That was, I guess. Hmm. It's actually a tie. So uh, somebody told me, tied with all these things that I've done with the 7.33 average. So does that make it tied for fifth place or tied for fourth place? I think it's for fourth place, right? Yeah. Are there only three songs ahead of it? Yeah. yeah. All right. So number three, Smile Like You Mean It. What do you think number two is? Mr. Brightside. Mr. Brightside. Okay. So uh, the drum roll for top song is... No, no surprise. This was uh, Jenny was a friend of mine, um, so that uh, that got an average score of ten point three three, and uh, so all of us were were very consistent in giving this uh, double digit scores. So, um, we cool with that as our top song. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Good conversation. So, any uh, any other parting comments before we uh, we wrap this up? Uh, I'd like to know what your choice is for uh, the next. Your choice up. So next episode is my pick, and it is the 50th anniversary of Led Zeppelin's debut album, and we're going to release the episode on January 12th, the actual 50th anniversary of the release date. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I know you were probably getting ready to go. That's not even Led Zeppelin's best album. Why did you pick that? Well, that's the reason. 50th anniversary. That's the reason. We're going to do plenty more Led Zeppelin revisits down the road because they are the greatest rock band ever. That's strong language, but uh, they, yeah, there's hot take. They don't have any bad albums. Yeah, that's my, that's my hot take. Hot take. All right. Dave, any, any parting comments? Uh, just thanks again for having me on here. Um, you know, 
really cool album, really cool band. Uh, you know, again, pretty incredible story of, you know, a couple misfit guys from Las Vegas, luckily finding each other and Brandon flowers going from the shy guy waiting around the corner outside of urban outfitters, waiting for his, uh, girlfriend to get off work as one of my friends has told me she apparently worked with uh his now wife uh but just you know totally shy dude uh and these three other misfits make this awesome band it's a it's a cool story cool album and uh i'm glad they're still making music man yeah man all right so uh everyone thank you for listening please go and check out our facebook page records revisited podcasts you can also check out some of our uh, some of our picks on uh, Instagram if you go to the hashtag Records Revisited Podcast. Um, please also go rate us on iTunes and follow us on Podomatic. Also, go support the arts. Go to a live show, buy a T-shirt of the band, buy a record, visit a record store, and not just on Record Store Day. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. Believe me, Natalie, this will be a good episode. <laughs>